Welcome to the East Westicism Podcast, where our host, Todd Perlmutter, shares the lessons he's learned spending eight years living with gurus, monks, lamas, and shamans across 35 countries and five continents. Join in the journey as he brings the best scientifically proven methods for living your best life from the East and the West straight to you. The path to peace, love, health, and happiness starts here. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Thank you so much for joining us today. I'm your host, Todd Perlmutter, and it is a pleasure to have you with us today. I'd like to share a story with you today that changed my life completely. And I hope the lessons from it can change yours too. The year was 2012. I was living and working in New York City as a stand-up comedian and creative director at the biggest ad agency in the world. I'd won tons of awards for coming up with and writing commercials and advertisements for the biggest brands. I was, if you asked me at the time, super happy, had the best life, very successful. Never a dull moment in New York. Always fun parties and nights out at the bars and a packed social schedule, phenomenal work life as well. Then in the summer of 2012, one of my good friends who is also a writer, she's a travel writer, got an invitation by one of her friends who works at a resort in Arizona to come down, stay for free, and maybe you'll write about it and uh, give us a good review. So she had these two free vouchers to stay at this incredible resort. And she asked me if I wanted to go. I mean, how can you say no to that? So we get to this resort and they have you sign up for various activities, spa activities, and also different kinds of classes. Um, We signed up for rock climbing. Uh, I signed up for a uh, mountain biking, which also turned out to be terrifying because It was actually desert biking. It's very easy to fall off a bike riding through the desert. And I'm riding down these trails that are about four inches wide with cactuses on both sides. Just praying I don't fall off. It reminded me of surfing in Hawaii and seeing underneath the water just a few inches was rock. (laughs) And uh, just praying don't fall. I'm not a great surfer. But uh, then there was this other course, this other class called it's, uh, the Equine Experience. And I thought it was going to be horse riding, and I was super excited. So we get to the Equine Experience, and this cowboy comes out with white hair, beard, a big cowboy hat, cowboy boots, jeans, named Wyatt Webb. And he said, 
Thank you for coming to this class called It's Not About the Horse. And I'm thinking, it's not about the horse. I thought we were going to ride horses. And it's, it's uh, me and my friend and six other women are sitting on chairs just outside this big horse pen. And Wyatt is sitting inside the pen and there's a horse standing just about 20 feet off uh, tied to the gate on the inside of the pen. And he says, the way you interact with a horse is a mirror to how you interact with everybody. And the way you interact with everybody is based on learned experiences from your past. And those experiences are either helping or hurting you. Now, I want you all, one by one, come up here, come inside, and go to the horse and take this little scraper tool I want you to pinch the horse behind his leg, which will cause the horse to lift his leg. And then you'll scrape the dirt out of his hoof. And and that's it. Pretty simple. Now, who'd like to go first? And nobody raised their hand. And then he said, how come nobody raised their hand? You, ma'am, why didn't you raise your hand? And she said, well, I'm, I'm a little nervous. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And uh, what about you? Why didn't you go? And the other woman said, well, I'm a little scared. And I was just a little, little insecure about it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And what about you, ma'am? Well, I'm just afraid of horses. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And uh, what about you, ma'am? And he just went through everybody, and basically everyone was a little nervous or afraid to go first. And, and then he got to me and said, why didn't you jump up to go first? And I said, well, ladies first. <laughs> and uh, he said, is that the real reason? And I said, of course, yeah, ladies first. And so he said, all right, well, let's try that again. Who wants to go first? And uh, kind of timidly raising her hand, a woman put her hand up and he said, all right, come on over. Now go pinch the horse's leg hard enough so he knows you want him to lift it. When he lifts it, grab the hoof and scrape the dirt out and that's it. So she goes over and she's walking slowly and timidly and she squeezes the horse's leg and the horse doesn't move. And Wyatt says, now you got to squeeze harder than that. Let me stop right there. Let me ask you a question. Do you, do you feel like you're going to hurt people? Like you're going to hurt the ones you love? And she immediately broke down crying and said that she lost her daughter at a young age and she feels guilty and responsible. And he just very gently and directly says, you know, that wasn't your fault. You don't need to hold on to that guilt and you don't need to let that stop you from 
developing deep connections and relationships with people. You're not going to hurt them. And she had a breakthrough and she just, she wiped her tears away and she went over to the horse and she squeezed it really hard. It brought up its hoof, she caught it, she scraped the dirt out and joy in the sense of achievement and pride she felt. It was like a different person from the timid girl that was walking over to the horse. And it was just very moving and she hugged you know, Wyatt and um, thanked him and sat down and then the next person went up next person walked over you know very timidly she squeezed hard enough on the leg and he and the horse lifted its hoofs but she didn't catch it the, the horse put the hoof down she didn't catch it and he said the horse was giving you a gift do you have a problem accepting gifts from others accepting help and she's like yeah um my husband and i recently divorced and as a single mother you know i feel like everything's on me and i don't feel like I'm able to ask for help for anything and uh, when people do offer help I I turn them away I feel guilty she also started crying she had this big breakthrough and she goes over and she does it and she succeeds and the next person very scared he stops her before she even gets to the horse and he says you know He's not going to hurt you. Are, are you afraid of getting hurt? Did, did somebody hurt you? And she said that she just got out of an abusive relationship and she just got divorced. And she's very scared that whoever she meets is going to hurt her. And she just started crying. And he said, well, that, you know, that's all right. You don't have to be afraid. Being in a relationship is taking 100% of responsibility for 50% of the relationship. And that's all you can do. You're not responsible for the other person. All that matters is how you respond. And she wiped her tears off and she nodded her head and she went over very confidently, squeezed the horse's leg and he lifted his hoof and she scraped out the dirt. And just had this, such a proud sense of achievement of overcoming her fears and you know, allowing herself to connect with the horse because the horse doesn't use words. The horse only senses energy and intention. And so if you come over scared, the horse is gonna be scared. If you come over and you project confidence and safety and clarity in your direction, the horse will do what you say. It's, it's amazing to watch this horse be such a powerful teacher. And I finally got it. It's not about the horse. It's all about you. You are using the horse as a mirror to show you something about yourself. And this, this cowboy guru, as I call him, was amazing to watch. I mean, the insight he had and the ability to help people see something in themselves instantly that they were avoiding was amazing to watch. These breakthroughs people were having. Finally, uh, my friend is called up and she starts giggling, nervous giggling, uh, on her way over to the horse. 
and she's just laughing louder and louder as she gets close to the horse. And he says, I'm just going to stop you right there. Uh, how old do you feel? And she's, she was probably 28 at the time. And she said, 70? And he said, well, that may be because you take on a lot of responsibilities. But inside, how old do you really feel? And she said, seven? And he said, and what happened when you were seven? And she said, well, my family moved from China to America, and I didn't know the language, and I didn't know anybody when we came. And he said, yeah, I bet that was a really scary time for you. She said, that really was. And I think you're afraid to go past that because before that was your safest memory. And she said, yeah, that makes sense. And he's like, all right, I'm going to let you try again, but try going at your actual age. And she went over, and it was the first time I ever saw her not nervously laughing. And she did it perfectly picked up the horse, hoof, and scraped out the dirt. Then my turn. I popped right up, headed over to that horse, patted it on the back a couple times, and squeezed its leg, lifted its hoof, scraped the dirt out, came back over to hand the tool back to Wyatt. And he said, that was pretty impressive. Do you, do you work with animals or uh, horses? I said, no. He said, uh-huh. What do you do? I said, I'm a writer. He said, why would you want to be a writer? That's got to be the worst thing you could do. Everybody's a critic. And I said, well, you know, I guess just to try to add some beauty to this world. And he said... You're a good person, you know that? And I said, well, I try. No, 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 that's not what I asked you. I said, do you know that? And I had a really hard time saying yes because of my you know, trying to be humble all the time. And I said, it was really hard to say, but I, I did say yes, I do. And he said, and you know what? If you can spot it, you got it. I just said, thank you, thank you. I went over to sit down and, you know, he didn't, he didn't help me like he helped the other people. I didn't have a breakdown like the other people. I was kind of already aware of like kind of embracing fear and overcoming fear and recognizing the kind of cancerous nature that fear plays in our lives. But what it did show me was that there is some real magic in this world, some real insightful people, abilities that I didn't know existed. And that experience was life-changing for me. I realized then and there that I wanted to see what other kind of magic was out in the world? 
You know, I'd, I'd heard stories of gurus and tales of, you know, the Buddha's enlightenment and mysticism around the world. And I wanted to see if there was any truth to any of that with my own eyes. I was a very skeptical person. And so we went back to the rest of the retreat and we flew back home to New York. And shortly thereafter, I quit my job. I sold everything that I owned. I bought a one-way ticket to India. And over the next eight years, I was on a mission to either become enlightened or to find some kind of mystic guru to teach me or a shaman or a Buddhist monk to show me what they know, to learn these knowledges and ancient wisdoms and to see if it was possible to become enlightened or to feel superhuman or to have mystical experiences. That is exactly what I did. This was the way I fell into it. I call it the accidental guru or the uh, accidental cowboy guru who taught me about how fear and self-doubt can affect our relationships and everything we do in our lives. As he would say, what you always find on the opposite side of fear and self-doubt is joy. Joy is our birthright. We're born with it, but it gets taken away from us at a very young age and we have to go back and reclaim it. And third, he reminded me that my purpose in life was to spread some beauty and joy in the world and not get distracted by corner offices, lucrative paychecks and fancy titles, big awards. I was a very normal person before I met this guy. I was, you know, working every day at a big corporate headquarters and I was going out with friends every night on the weekend and many weeknights that's what you do in New York and you know I never thought I was stressed I never thought of myself as unhappy but looking back when I think about that I was seeing a massage therapist an acupuncturist and a chiropractor uh once a week, each one of those, so three times a week, I was seeing someone for back pain. And I look back and I think about that I was drinking to get pretty much drunk almost every single night, even though in New York, that's just normal. And it's like, you know, you're, you're never alone. You're always with like different groups of friends. And so it's, you know, it's not like no one even thinks about it as having a problem. But looking back, I would say that I was bottling up enormous stress. Deep down, I wanted to see if there was more to life than this materialistic chase, this 
pleasure-seeking path that I was on. And so I just quit and flew off to India with not a clue what I was going to do next, but I knew that I wanted to find some real, real wisdom, real gurus, real, real experiences to teach me and learn from. I hope you continue to join me on my journey as I'll share more stories about my travels, my life as a monk, living with gurus, and living with shamans. Thank you so much for listening, and I hope it helps you live a little less in fear and worry and self-doubt, and a little more in joy and peace and compassion. You are listening to the East Westicism Podcast. Be sure to visit us at eastwesticism.org to join the conversation and receive enlightening emails. Until next time.